You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at Rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Brian Fanzo, iSocial Fans here, and we're going to record a little episode of NFT 365, uh, and this episode is going to be, uh, you know, kind of focused on, well, not kind of, we're going to uh, answer uh, 11 of the questions that I've received from you, the listeners, either from the Facebook group or the Discord server or for those over on Twitter, uh, and originally I was going to do like just a couple, you know, at the end of an episode, but these questions are so good that uh, I'm going to jump into it uh, right away. So let's uh, let's not wait uh, waste any more time, and we're going to jump right into it. So the first question we have, and I will tell you, the questions kind of range from harder to uh, a little bit easier um, at the end here. So uh, kind of bear with me. So the first question was, you know, who maintains and runs blockchain computer network, and how does it scale? And I think the you know, the, the idea that, you know, the blockchain is built, you know, and, you know, there's lot, multiple blockchains and they're built through, you know, multiple computers that are solving uh, complex um, computer problems. And really the scalability issues of blockchain come into the speed, actually, more so than anything else. The, the transaction speed of blockchain, um, it can be very slow, can be painstakingly slow. And, it, and really, depending on the blockchain's um, use case or why it was built for, will really kind of oftentimes determines the speed that a blockchain might be um, working with. And so, you know, some of the things that they're working on with that is some of the, you know, the technology where they're being able to not only, you know, hopefully integrate some um, cross-chain um, offerings, but also, you know, it's really important for us to, to identify which blockchains make sense for which type of, of, of use cases, right? There's a reason right now that uh, NFTs aren't traded on blockchain for the most part. There's a couple people that are, but the, there's a reason that that is there, right? And there's also a reason that we pay heavy gas fees on Ethereum versus paying, the, uh, you know, paying a little bit less over on Solana. And I'll, I'll kind of address that a little bit uh, down the road. But you know, one of the things that we, we have to think about from a blockchain perspective is there's not an easy button. And there are going to be plenty of new um, you know, variables and questions and things that arise, but it is a shift completely in kind of the backbone or what runs the internet. So love that question. Great one to start off with. And of course, we didn't get any easier with question number two. Uh, question number two is how will quantum computing affect uh, the, the blockchain? And I think this is an interesting one because... There is this concept of quantum blockchain, which is kind of the, the merging of quantum computing um, and blockchain technology. One of the things that you want to think about in a quantum computing um, you know, use case is really you know, encryption and how, how we think about encryption, not only the speed of encryption, but the use cases of encryption across you know, everything that we do, all the different uh, you know, uh, ways that we leverage the internet and ways that we leverage, well, especially blockchain uh, more so than anything else. And so we're going to see kind of the, a shift where we're going to be able to encrypt 
and hopefully, um, it, with that being said, um, encrypt and also uh, transfer things in ways that we probably had never really thought were possible. The other piece of this where quantum uh, computing is really going to you know, impact blockchain is really how do we enable you know, kind of the transformation into blockchain as well as you know, powering uh, the metaverse from everything from, you know, how, what is the, you know, the sequence of events that we are building on the blockchain and, and kind of how those things kind of push forward. And so I'm not a quantum uh, computer, uh, computing expert, but I do think there are elements of security that, you know, probably will be vulnerable at the beginning, right? Because with these quantum computing uh, technology, it's going to be able to, in many cases, solve complex problems or um, decrypt uh, things at a faster rate. But there's also the ability for us to leverage that on the on the positive side as well. And so, yes, the, the there's probably a, a, you know a hacking vulnerability or two or so um, in there, but definitely something to think about is when the two merge, uh, what we're going to make possible there is probably uh, stuff we haven't even thought about. All right, number three, I promise they get easier from this. Uh, what is needed to get crypto and NFTs out of the early adopter phase? And uh, Lubina uh, submitted this question. And I, I love this question because I don't think it's, it's actually as much about getting out of the early adopter phase. It's rather, how do we empower the early adopter phase so that the use cases and the education become more natural and integrated in our day-to-day -day life? And what I mean by that is, I actually think education is the, um, the biggest uh, limitation right now. Not only education, like the podcast that we're doing here uh, and what we're doing in the Discord and on our Facebook group, but also education from a standpoint of not just ed educating consumers, but educating, you know, the the developers and uh, and those that are designing you know technology and innovation today. Also, how do we how do we really simplify the language, right? Like we talk a lot about blockchain right now. I mean, the first two questions were about blockchain, but very soon where the internet exists or how it works will be something that most people will not care about or even need to know. And that's kind of always been the trend, right? We kind of we inter we have to we have to use certain uh, you know things to label or construct around them, but ultimately for the most for the everyday person, um, they don't care how it works. They just need to know it works and what problems it solves and how they can get involved. And so I think that's a big one. Um, I also think the the spread of misinformation uh, around crypto and NFTs is a big one, and probably the biggest hurdle for you know, NFTs, crypto, let's just say the entire Web3 space uh, is change. There are a lot of things that have been systematically in place in our government, in our financial system, in our healthcare, in the way that we think about, you know, transactions. A lot of these things have been really built, you know, into our, our native world. And so many services and, and people have been able to be empowered and, and, and get rich by doing things the other way. And so there's a lot of people, including regulators, right? Like if you're paying attention to a lot of the hearings that are going on right now, you know, we do believe that there has to be some sort of, of regulation. But the interesting thing is a lot of the lawmakers are trying to imply or apply certain, you know, restraints or protocols or um, systems that they don't even currently deploy in our current financial system or in our current internet. And so it's very odd that, you know, Congress, especially Congress and, and those that are here in Washington DC where I live, there's a lot of pushback to add these other layers that have not been added to what is existing today. 
And in the most case, that is, you know, we're either, you know, in my opinion, there's two, two cases here. We're either afraid of change because we're, we're not sure what it's going to do for our job or change scares us so much that we would rather try to break down the change, spread misinformation, uh, block things from happening so that we don't have to adapt or adopt ourselves. And unfortunately, I think that's uh, a rather big use case here. All right, number four. Um, I read that Web3 and Web3.0 are different things. Is that true? So there is, you know, there is some of this uh, narrative kind of being introduced uh, around, uh, you know, I'd say between uh, thought leaders and those that are, uh, you know, in this space. You know, the Web3.0 concept is really a decentralized world or a decentralized internet um, with, you know, powered through kind of crypto, crypto decentralized. Web3, which is what you know, a lot of people are talking about, is this kind of hybrid model, right? Some people are calling it Web2.5. And it's this idea where we want to move into decentralized concepts, but we love centralized features and functionalities. And so we kind of are in this hybrid spot where you know, how do we allow technology that we and, you, and user interface and, and design to give us the experience that we're used to but also take advantage of Web3. And you know, a great example of that is something like OpenSea, which is the most popular NFT uh, marketplace. And it technically is leveraging Web3.0, but it is not a decentralized organization or, or company. And you know, most recently, when they hired their new CFO, they got a lot of backlash because their new CFO said, hey, we'd be dumb if we didn't um, you know, look at the idea of going public. And I mean, let's, let's be real. If a company in Web3 has to go public to survive, they've kind of, they're useless. They, they haven't embraced what Web3 is ultimately um, leveraging, right? And they're actually, they're no better than where we've been in the past because Web3 is about decentralization where everyone that is participating has ownership. And if we all have ownership, therefore we are all, you'll have stake in the game. We're all having use case in the game. The need for us to go public, you know, on NASDAQ or to, you know, to Wall Street is, is really obsolete if a company and, and business is built in a way that is truly Web3. And I will tell you, OpenSea got a lot of backlash on that, and I, and I think it's important for them to kind of look at that. But their competitor, one of their biggest competitors, which is coming out with their marketplace very soon, which is uh, Coinbase NFT, um, they, have, they have the same problem, right? Coinbase NFT has a very similar problem uh, to what OpenSea has. And I would argue a year from now, we might see a truly native web 3.0 marketplace that completely disrupts both of those players, or it could be one of them kind of shifting their entire um, narrative. But, you know, I think the important piece here is I'm not a huge fan on semantics or how we are individually labeling things. I would prefer us to focus on the mindset shifts around some of these concepts, right? The idea of going from fully centralized to a more decentralized um, opportunity. And really, even this idea of removing the boundaries around how we exchange value around like crypto and, and those kind of things as well. All right, number five, uh, where to store our NFTs and how to buy them easier? Well, to buy them easier, without question, you know, 
uh, you know, a majority of NFTs right now are being hosted on Ethereum, um, and the marketplace for that is OpenSea, which I just re uh, referenced before. So I'm a big fan of OpenSea. I love, you know, I think their their marketplace has done they've done a really great job. You can look at the stats. Um, you can also look at individuals' wallets to see what other people are investing in. You can see what are the trends over the last 24 hours. What is the volume of traffic? Um, what is the current floor price? What is the activity against the floor price? So OpenSea is probably one of, of the better places out there. But honestly, Twitter is the best place to find and discover um, current NFTs and future NFTs. How you know a lot of the beauty of NFTs is that there are a, a finite element of them, and it's important for those that hold NFTs to you know talk about them to bring them to light because not only does that allow people to be aware of the project but it also adds that uh, that like FOMO or that exclusivity element where people now discover the power of an NFT uh, project and now want to buy in or be a part of it and so that's where you buy them easier um, and, and you know I would tell you you know my process and I and I shared this on a, a earlier episode right I my process is pretty easy right now right I, I can move money from my bank into Coinbase Coinbase into my MetaMask wallet and I can purchase NFTs on a website or I can purchase them through OpenSea. Now, where to store your NFTs? Now, I think the, this question is an interesting one because I think where we're thinking about this is that your wallet is ultimately the place that NFTs are stored. But I think the real question is, how do I display my NFTs? And I believe there's a, there's a lot of innovations going to happen on the display front of, of NFTs. Uh, one, of the, one of the ones that I like is OnCyber.io. It allows you to put like kind of a, a 3D virtual um, marketplace, uh, you know, in, on, on the web uh, for people to walk through kind of your gallery of NFTs or, you know, your OpenSea collection. If you just search Fanzo, uh, F-A-N-Z-O over there on OpenSea, you should be able to pull up um, my uh, OpenSea account and you could, you could, you'll actually see that mine are, are displayed there um, on OpenSea. So if you're using Ethereum, uh, and using you know MetaMask uh, wallet or even a Rainbow wallet or a Trust wallet, uh, OpenSea is the best place to kind of display them. Uh, you know, right now the easiest. All right, number six. <laughs> this is a funny one. What's up with stupid gas fees? So gas fees are what we pay for transactions, right? And the gas fees increase in price based on the how much traffic is going on on that current uh, blockchain. So right now. And, and I mentioned earlier, right, the, the speed of the, the blockchain is currently our scalability issue. And because it's so slow that you can actually pay more money for your transaction to increase the speed that your transaction closes. Now, I will tell you, I've lost some uh, mints where they're selling out really quick and I didn't put enough gas there. Right? I, didn't, I didn't ask to say, hey, I want to pay more money to increase the speed of this transaction. And because of that, by the time my transaction went to complete, all of them were already sold and I lost out. Now I will tell you, this is an issue across the board. One of the things that we can deal to do with to deal with uh, you know gas fees is writing smarter contracts that are built to require less gas fees. And so we're seeing that a lot with the ER721 contracts that are out there. Um, the other part of this is really kind of, uh, you know, looking at things like uh, Ethereum uh, version two, right? We're gonna see that that version come out. Uh, we're also going to look at, you know, what is what are all the things that are factored in to an NFT, everything from metadata to properties to um, the, the software code itself. And how can we kind of streamline or format that in a way that doesn't require such a heavy um, transaction load? Uh, but I will say that the gas fees, 
especially uh, over the last four months, have been kind of ridiculous. I will tell you if you're listening to this, you know, right now in December of 2021, uh, the gas fees are right now probably the best they've ever been. Um, as you know, Ethereum has gone down, traffic on on the uh, on the actual blockchain has gone down as well. Um, so the fees have gone down. So you know, I minted an NFT last night. I believe it was forty one dollars um, as the gas fee and. I, I was expecting $120. So that's about one third of what I was expecting. All right, number seven, uh, different ways to create NFTs, pros and cons. So this is, a, this is a fun one because I've been really wrapping my head around this right now because we're rolling out uh, NFTs with this podcast, right? The Mint 365 um, aspect. Um, and there's different you know, ways that you can roll them out from, you can do an open uh, collection, you can do a, a limited edition, you can do an auction style where, or a Dutch auction where you are, you know, people that are buying them you know, early on are going to pay less fees and then whoever waits till the last 1,000 is going to pay a higher fee. You can also do the reverse. Uh, we've seen that in a couple of the collections where they start off at a higher fee and then every five minutes the fee lowers. And of course, the idea is like you want to time it at the right spot because you don't want to miss out on the opportunity, but you also don't want to overpay. Those are some of the, the, those varieties. The other idea of like creating an NFT, I will tell you, it's very simple to do so. Uh, you can go to OpenSea.com or .io. You can go to uh, Rarible. There's lots of websites um, that are, are helping you kind of mint an NFT or create an NFT. I think the more important factor of before you create an NFT, what you have to start asking yourself is like, who is your audience? What blockchain do I want to build my NFT on so that, that this is the blockchain that it will live on? And then, you know, is it, do I want to control the marketing? Do I want people to be able to just see mine in, in the marketplaces they're at and kind of go through, in, th go through those type of things? You know, I will say there are other blockchains like Solana and Cardano that are right now the costs are less to mint an NFT, but that's also because there's less traffic and less attention and less people on those blockchains. So just something to be aware of. You know, it might seem a lot easier to, to do it on a blockchain that might have lower entry fees, but you are also going to get lower traffic and visibility. And in some cases, people that have never bought on that blockchain before, which might limit that because I know a lot of my audience has said, Brian, I, I've never bought on Solano and I see that you're doing those kind of NFTs, but I have no interest there. So definitely something to factor in. Number eight, I like to understand more about the different utilities you can have with NFTs, such as art and you know, what is a utility. And so this is a great one. So utility is really what, what are the other aspects other than the price or going up and down the, the, the actual value um, that you get when you, when you actually um, you know, buy this NFT or you mint the NFT. And a good example of this, um, Applebee's, shout out to Applebee's. I've done some work with Applebee's over the years. Applebee's just launched an NFT. And when you bought the NFT, and it was like a hamburger art that was actually created, uh, I believe, by an artist in their community, that the, as soon as you got it, whoever owned that NFT, the original owner, got, I believe they, they received um, unlimited meals for a year, uh, totaling like $1,300 a month. That's utility, right? So by holding this NFT, the, the, the thing that you get for holding it is you get to eat at Applebee's for free, $1,300 a month. I mean, that's Seems like a great bonus to me. My daughters love Applebee's. The other aspects of utility can be things like access to events, ask access to a Discord. It could be that you get um, maybe merchandise sent to you. It could be that you are permitted into offline events or parties or after parties. It could actually mean that one of the utilities could be 
that if you hold this this util this NFT, you get future NFTs at a discount or for free. Like for for our pass here, we have the the founders pass uh, NFT pass, which what, what the at the moment of recording, there's currently eleven of those available uh, of the twenty two. And if you hold that. Not only do you get a on the white list for an NFT that we're supporting in January, but you actually get a free NFT that'll be airdropped to you in February. You're also going to get 1% of the revenue that we generate from our sale of our project um, in November uh, 11th, 2022. Those are all aspects of utility. I believe what's possible when it comes to utility can be just about anything, right? One of the projects that we minted uh, for this experience was we, they're going to actually adopt um, cheetahs for everyone that is holding that NFT. So really those possibilities are endless. All right, number nine. I don't understand the appeal of auto-generated 10K PFP uh, projects like apes and bubblegum kids. Really, I, and, I, and I understand this because I like this question because I was there earlier this year. I was right with the, I, I was like, why are people buying these? Like, it's just like 10,000 randomly pieces of art. It's not even like some artist picked exactly this, this amazing collection. It's, they put in a bunch of these things, code in there, and the code randomly spit out these um, images. And so the reason that these, are, um, that these are valuable or there's an appeal to it, well, first of all, there's a limited supply, right? So first, that immediately you know, creates some exclusivity. The other aspect of it is because it is randomly generated, uh, for the most part, some projects have hacked that, but because it's randomly generated, there are also ways that you can factor in um, price and value based on the rarity level of it, right? So if you, you put in a bunch of the properties that you are going to have randomly generated, and let's say only one of the, uh, of the, of the all 10,000 have a black hat on, all of the other ones have different colored hats, there's only one with that black hat, well now that is, is more of a rarity, right? And it has more uh, of a reason to, you know, to hold it. There's less of those available. But I will, the answer to your question, there's twofold here. One, it's the utility that I mentioned on the last one that people are buying much more so than the actual art, right? The art can be the case, but you know, the art, if the art helps us broadcast out to the world who we are and what we represent, now that's like a, another byproduct of it, right? And I will tell you like Bubblegum Kids is one you mentioned. I love that project. I think the art is really cool. They have an amazing community on Discord. It also kind of like just speaks to me, right? It has the hat and it has like the young, uh, you know, young looking kids and it's kind of fun. And I, I will say like when I show that off, it does kind of represent a little bit of me. And I will say that's a big part of this, right? I, you know, I think there's an episode I did here on the podcast about, I believe actually authenticity will increase as we lean into these NFTs as our profile photos. And part of the reason is, is look at the Playboy Bunny avatar that is my uh, PFP, right? I believe it actually represents me at a much larger level than just like a selfie of me online. So hopefully that answers your question. Number 10, isn't it a problem that minting NFTs is so expensive for small digital artists? Can we solve that? Now, minting an NFT can be very pricey, but it also is going to be determined by a lot of the other factors that we mentioned before around smart contracts, which blockchain you're actually minting it on. I will tell you for Rally, rally.io, which is 
you know, our coin, ADHD coin, which powers this podcast, um, they allow us to mint NFTs for free as creators. I can mint as many as I want and I can put them onto the blockchain for free. It's a, it's a perk and a benefit for those of us that have creator coins on the side chain. And so I believe we're going to see more of those kind of um, emerging. And I also like kind of the step up um, option for small digital artists, right? Maybe you were minting originally a small batch on a smaller blockchain that allows you to create to create at a lower cost. But then when you sell out of those, you can take some of the profit and now you can mint them on maybe on Ethereum that it's a more, uh, you know, more popular uh, blockchain and allowing you to kind of get more visibility. So kind of that step up, grow up is, is a big piece here in NFTs. All right, I promise this is the last one. Number 11, how can I best step up to support the community and also market the M, uh, the Mint 365 NFTs? Well, first of all, thank you for the question. I promise the question was it was asked um, in our Facebook group. So yeah, check out our Facebook group. Just search uh, NFT 365 uh, in Facebook and it'll pop, it'll pop up. It'll say it's a pop-up group. Uh, you can just fill out the little questionnaire that's there and jump into our, our Facebook group. But what we're referring to is, you know, we, we launched this weekend uh, two NFTs to support the podcast as well as the Mint 365 project. And so how can you best support the, the community? Well, I would say, first of all, it, was, it would be kind of being a part of the community, either on Discord or on our Facebook group. Um, that, that, that's a big part of it. The other part of it is really sharing this podcast and talking about this podcast because I, you know, our goal with this podcast is educating the masses and bringing people along on this journey. I mean, it's going to be fun. I mean, who knows? Six months from now, what is it? What are we going to be talking about? How is this whole thing going to kind of uh, weigh itself out? And so for me, when I think about this idea of like, how can you support, you know, you can leave a review here for the podcast. That would be a great way of doing it. Um, when the reveal of the NFTs happen. So everyone that buys an NFT before December 22nd, on December 22nd, you're going to have airdropped into your account the actual NFT for this project. And it is amazing 3D animation art that uh, Kevin on our team uh, created. I mean, I worked with him back and forth for many weeks on designing this 3D animation and this art. It's going to have different components in it, right? Uh, there's going to be randomly generated some elements into um, the NFTs as well that we'll be able to do giveaways with. And we're going to be able to say, you know, award people that have certain um, you know, uh, components of that NFT. And so when, when we mint that NFT, would love for you guys to share it across social, talk about it um, from that standpoint. And really, you know, for me, this is all about, you know, it's education. I don't, I don't believe we have to convince people that uh, they should be into NFTs or crypto or creator coins or the metaverse. But I do believe they have, we have to help people approach it with an open mindset to what's possible. And so like, that's kind of like my soapbox, but yeah, uh, any, anyone that's, you know, if I, I would actually love, you know, if everyone that's listening to this podcast, if you just told one friend uh, about this, uh, maybe this episode or this, uh, this show, um, that would be do amazing things for this podcast. We are going to bring on um, a couple sponsors that we have in the works um, as well in the very new future. So uh, stay tuned for that. So that's what I got for you guys today. That was 11 questions. Of course, you guys know I like the number 11 um, from our community, from our listeners. Uh, keep bringing those questions in on the Discord, on Twitter, also in the Facebook group. I'll do more episodes like this if you guys liked it. Um, as always, just tag me on any of the social channels 
It is iSocial fans. And last but not least, we are super powered by the ADHD coin over on Rally. If you go check that out at ADHDcoin.com. Uh, any, anyone that's holding any ADHD coin, you're supporting this show. It's, it's by holding the coins in your portfolio, it, it allows me to continue to deliver this show because every person that buys the coin makes the total value of the coin go up which ultimately benefits the entire community. So if you want to really benefit the community, uh, jump in, grab yourself an ADHD coin. And remember, every Sunday, you need to log back in and take your rewards. You get rewards uh, based on the percentage you're holding dropped into your account. They're, they're dropped in as rally rewards. And you just have to click on convert and convert those to ADHD coin. And then you'll be getting even more rewards the upcoming week. Till next time, my friends, make it a good one. Cheers. Your own damn research.